we are on week three of vision. When we started this series, we asked one question, one very important question. What is our vision? What is the thing that God has placed us here for? What is the thing that he's spoken to our hearts to help lead us into the destiny that he has for our life? We said that vision allows us to have a guide marker on the road map of destiny. We said it sets the compass on the purpose for our life. In week two, last week, which uh, Ms. Christina uh, brought up for you guys, we identified three things that could hinder us from seeing our vision come to pass. We called those things vision blockers. We talked about our stuff our things being vision blockers. We talked about our circle, those people who are around us being vision blockers, and we talked about ourselves being vision blockers. If you're like, man, Pastor, that sounds good. You should probably go go get the podcast and and watch it. It was good. It was pretty awesome. Um, And so as we close this series, I really felt that it was important that we left with some practical tools that we, we closed out with some, some practical things um, as we walk out the vision that God has given us. How do we practically do that? Now, um, obviously, because each vision is nuanced, each calling, each gift is nuanced, it would be a lot for us to try to go and answer everybody's individual thing. But what I want to talk about today is four reminders as you move in pursuit of vision. Now, if you are a note taker, today would be the day that you want to take notes. If you're like, Pastor Keenan, I don't have pen or paper, take out your phone and get some notes. You're like, I'm I'm a a note person. Well, guess what? We got some notepads right out there uh, with the Limitless logo on it. Feel free to grab you one. But today is a day that you're going to want to take notes. Four reminders as you move in pursuit of vision. What do I do? Once I believe that I've received the vision. Everybody ready? Let's go. That was like five of y'all. Everybody ready? All right, let's go. Number one, point number one, work like it depends on you and pray like it depends on God. All right? Work like it depends on you and pray like it depends on God. A lot of times we fall into this idea that once God has given us the vision, once he has confirmed the vision for our life, now it's up to us to see the vision come to pass. Now it's up to us to formulate the plan and to make every move to see that vision happen. And and in that process, we move from walking in faith and trusting in God to walking in self and trusting in you. This is where we move off of the path. Please know that for the vision that God has given you, he is only looking for one thing, obedience. That is the only thing that he is looking for. He didn't call you because you had all the answers. And he is not looking for you to have all the answers now. He is looking for those of us who will listen and do as he has instructed. Work like it depends on you and pray like it depends on God. We look at Noah and the flood. In the beginning of Genesis chapter 6, 
We see uh, uh, God instructing Noah. We see God uh, uh, giving him instructions. He, he tells Noah what to do. He tells Noah how it's going to happen, and he gives him specific instructions to follow. And as he finished his instructions, in chapter 6, verse 22, we see everything that makes, makes the difference. Everything that makes the difference. If, if, don't read too fast because you might go past it. Here it is right here. Genesis chapter 6, verse 22. So Noah did this. All, according to all that God commanded him, this is what he did. Nothing deep. He didn't do 20 steps. He, he, he didn't try to outwit God. He didn't ask God a 50-question uh, essay. He didn't try to ask God to send someone else to, to build the ark. In the Scripture, we actually see no conversation from Noah to God after his instructions. It simply said, so Noah did this. According to all that God commanded him, that's what he did. Now, now Noah was already over 500 years old when God told him this. So if anyone had the right to complain about building something, I think it would have been Noah. God, my arthritis. God, my knees, my back, my hips. God, he, he didn't do that. He just moved. He just moved. When we look at people who did great things in the Bible, when we look at their stories, it was their obedience and it was their willingness to be used that allowed them to do great things. It was their obedience and their willingness. And this is not to say that we should be lazy because the next thing is somebody's going to say, oh, well, are you saying we shouldn't, we shouldn't do anything? No, we're not being lazy. We're not being idle either. We work hard. We work as unto the Lord in a spirit of excellence in everything that God has instructed us to do. That is the natural part. The spiritual part is we pray like every move we make depends on God. That is the part that makes the difference. See, a lot of times we forget it is he who gives us breath. Everybody just breathe. Yeah, he decided that. <laughs> he okayed that. He gave that. But what happens when we start moving within ourselves is we start moving like we, we, we the big, we, we, we the stuff. We, we, we got it. We, we make the decisions around here. And that's simply not the case. It's not the case. So we work like it depends on us, but we pray like it depends on God. As I said last week, the way that we stay in line with the vision that God has given us is we're in constant communication with the vision giver. That way we never move out of line. That, that way we always know when the changes are coming. That way we're always being told. We, we have discernment because we're, we're listening to what he's telling us. Be in constant communication. So number one, work like it depends on you and pray like it depends on God. Number two. Be faithful to the vision, even when it looks different than what you planned. I'm going to say that again because some of y'all wasn't listening. Be faithful to the vision, even when it looks different than what you planned. And I know this steps on toes. I, I, I know. I get it. Stepped on mine, too, before it stepped on yours, okay? 
Please understand that. Proverbs, we, we see this in the Bible. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. We got that. A person may have ideas concerning God's plan for his life. Amen? Right? But only the designs of God's purpose will succeed in the end. I get it. I know. I already said that. Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord completely. And do not rely on your own opinions. Do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you, and he will lead you in every decision you make. Okay, y'all still don't believe me. No problem. No problem. I do this. I, I can do this all day. Isaiah chapter 55, uh, verse 8 and 9. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. You know that thing you was thinking? Yeah, I'm far from it. He says, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So when we make a plan, and we feel like we got it all together, and we like shook up because it's changing... Yeah, that's, that's usually probably what's going to happen. Because he says, I'm so far from what you're thinking. My thoughts, my ways are so high. That you're, you're. When the Lord gives us vision, please understand that we are given one glimpse of a multifaceted tapestry of an eternal plan. We're given one glimpse, just our part, just, just that one glimpse of a multifaceted tapestry of an eternal plan, which means it's probably going to look different than you envisioned. It's, it's probably going to look a little different. It, 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 it may take a different form than we may have planned for ourselves, which is why it is imperative. It is of the utmost importance. That we are not tied to the way that we think God's vision for us will play out. We can't be tied to that. We must not be tied to that because when we do, it sets us up for disappointment. It sets us up for disillusion. And the enemy will use that to discourage us and get us to forfeit God's plan for our life. Oh, I thought it was, I thought, I just knew that it was going to turn out like this. And, and it's not turning out like that. And here it goes. And I just wonder if God, if God really said that. And I just wonder if I, if I heard God. I just wonder, you know, is it, is it God or, 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 or was it me? But when we embrace change and when we embrace God's redirection of our life, we are able to see his grace, we are able to see his faithfulness, we are able to see his love on full display in our lives. Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6, I want to start at verse 14. We find this in, in, uh, in Gideon. Judges chapter 6, starting at, at, at uh, uh, verse 14. 
And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? He said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, with this has been a theme in the past three weeks, what he say? But I will be with you. And you shall strike the Midianites in, as one man. We move to, to verse 7 here as, as, uh, as we're walking this out and, and, and uh, uh, God has said something to him. And in verse 7, we, we pick it up. Uh, he, he's got these people with him. He's ready to, to fulfill what, what God has said. He's, he's, he's like, all right, God said, I'm, I'm going to save Israel. Um, even though my clan is the weakest, he said that it's going to happen. And, and we pick it up in chapter 7 and verse 2. The Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many. The people who are with you are too many. Why does this matter? See, in chapter six, chapter six, we see uh, uh, verse one. It says, "The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord." And the Lord gave him into the hand of Midian for seven years, and the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. And it says, whenever the Israelite planted crops, the Midianites, the Macalites, and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel, no sheep or no ox or no donkey, for they would come up with their livestock in tents and they would come like locusts in number. That means there was a lot of them, Okay. And both they and their camels could not be counted. So they that laid waste in the land as they came in. So let's go back uh, to chapter 7, verse 2. He says, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites in their hand, lest Israel boast, saying, my own hands has saved me. He says, now proclaim it to the ears of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away. He said, if you're scared, now is the time to leave. Then 22,000 people returned and 10,000 remained. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Come on, Jesus. Come on now. He said, the people who are with you are still too many. Take them down to the water and I will test. Any one of whom I say to you, this one shall go, they shall go. Any one of whom I say shall stay, they shall stay. So he brought down the people to the water and, Gideon, uh, to the, and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, set him by himself. But everyone who kneels down to drink, then the number of those who lapped, putting their hands in the mouth was 300. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink the water. And the Lord said, with the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand and let all the others go, every man to his home. I am sure that the plan not to use the entire army against an enemy that was like locust in number probably wasn't the plan that Gideon had in mind. Wait a minute, Lord, you said, I can't even count how many people they have. I got about 20,000, and you telling me to, to let them go? 
Okay, God, you take away 10000 Okay, I, st- I still got about 10000 You're like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. It's more leaving. Get it down to three hundred. I'm sure that wasn't the way that Gideon saw it playing out in his hand. But because he chose to stay faithful to the word of the Lord and what God said, despite what he thought it should look like, he was able to see the vision that God said come to pass. Verse 19, so Gideon and the 300 men who were there came with them to the outskirts of the camp. At the beginning of the watch, when they just said it, they blew the trumpet and smashed the jars that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and, and broke their jars. Then, then they held in their left hand and the torches and in the right hands the trumpets to blow. And they cried out, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Every man stood in his place around the camp and all the army ran. They cried out and fled. When they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. And the army fled as far as, as Bethsheba towards Zerah and as far as the border of Abelmelo and Tabah. See, the plan that God gives us may not always make sense. But when we walk in that plan, we get to see the miracles that God has for us. He might tell you something that doesn't make sense. That's fine. That's fine. That's why we have to stay faithful to the vision, even when it looks different than what we planned. Even when it looks different than what we planned. We got to let our ideas go, our, 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 of, of what we think and how we feel and what we are. It don't matter. Plain and simple. We have submitted our will. We have submitted our purpose to what God wants. We must be faithful to the vision, even when it looks different than what we plan. Number two. Number three. Understand that doubt, fear, and pride are Satan's number one tools to move you out of vision. I'm going to say that again. Understand that doubt, fear, and pride are Satan's number one tools to move you out of vision. As believers, as people who have said, God, I choose you to be Lord over my life. I've accepted you as my Lord and as my Savior. The enemy has already lost the fight for our soul. It is over. It is done with. So the only thing he has left to do to affect us is to distract us. The only thing he has left to do to affect us is to distract us so that we don't win other people to Jesus. So he uses the same distractions. He uses the same tactics that he has always used from the beginning of time to now to get us off of purpose and distract it for the vision that God has for our life. He uses the same things, doubt, fear, and pride. We see in uh, uh, Genesis, in, in, in Genesis, we see the story of Adam and Eve. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it, it, here he is again. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, what? Did God actually say you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? Did he, did he really say that? Did he? really say that? And we see a seed of doubt being planted. 
and a harvest of an entire people suffering as a result of that. And he, it's like he does it. He don't change. He did it in Genesis to, to Adam and Eve. We get all the way over to Matthew where, where Jesus is and, and Jesus comes on the scene and he has this wonderful moment where he's getting baptized and, and, and the word of the Lord comes, this is my son who I am well pleased. And you go to the next verse. Jesus is being tempted, chapter 4, verse 3, and the tempter came to him and said, what? If you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Again, trying to use this tactic of doubt. Now, of course, Jesus was like, yeah, we ain't doing this twice, so I'm going to go ahead and you're going to have to get up out of here. I came because Adam and Eve, they, bless their hearts, they, but I'm here now. <laughs> and so the same thing ain't going to happen, so I'm going to go ahead and rebuke you and send you back uh, to where you came from. Yeah. But he tried to plant the seed of doubt. This is something that the, the, the enemy uses. And I, I said it before, how, do, how does he plant the seed of doubt in us? Did, did, did God say that? Yeah. You know that vision that, that he gave you? Did, did, he, did he really say that? Was that him or was, was that you? Were you just feeling emotional because you heard a great message and you were in the presence and you thought you heard God and now you're here back in the real world and you don't? Did he, did he really say that? And then he plants seeds of doubt in us and then we, what we say, we, us. I don't know, did he say that? Bless our hearts, bless our hearts. Doubt, doubt. We see him using uh, fear and doubt uh, when, when, with the children of Israel. Again, uh, Numbers uh, chapter 13, verses 25. Numbers chapter 13, verses 25. The Immaculites dwell in the land of Negev, and the Hittites and the Jezebites and the, the Amorites dwell in the hill in the country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the Jordan. And they told him, when we came to the land you sent us, it flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. This is its fruit. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. And they brought back the word to them saying, all the congregation are out of the land. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. And, and besides, we, we saw the descendants of Anak there, but, but, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are able to overcome it. But then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against these people, for they are stronger than we are. See, God had already told them what would happen. He had already told them that they would take this land. This is something that was, that was promised to them. And, and they went up and they said, oh, here is the fruit. Here is the fruit. We are able to go up and take this. But again, we go back to week two and we talk about our circle. The men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against these people for they are stronger than we are. 
Verse 14, chapter 7, he says, If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. And he said it to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. But see, the seed of fear and doubt had already been planted. Because the other ones, the circle came back and said, no, 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 we can't. What, what you talking about? Hold on. Calm down. We, we can't do that. We can't do this. And the congregation said, then all of the congregation said to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent meeting to all of the people of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people despise me? How long will they not believe in me? Or how long will they doubt me? in spite of all the signs that I have done among them. See, because of Israel's fear, because of their doubt, an entire generation had to die before they were able to walk in God's vision for their life. Limitless, we cannot continue to allow the enemy's distraction to rob our generation our children's generation, our future generations of seeing God's vision fulfilled. We have to be at a place where our face is like flint and we refuse to be distracted by the enemy's tactics. Fear works in us. We have to refuse to be distracted. And we said earlier, well, how do I know if it's the voice of God? How do I know if it's not me? So when the enemy throw you that, I can, uh, well, let's go ahead and handle that. How do I know that it's the voice of God? How do I know that it wasn't just me? The voice of God will never contradict the word of God. And the voice of God will always be in line with the word of God. So you take what God has given you. If you see it in the word, you know it's him. If you don't, all right, let's keep going. All right. Fear and doubt. Now let's look at pride. Want to look at pride. Fear, doubt, and pride. We look at Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 9, uh, verse 1 and 2, there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, son of Zerah, son of Bacchus, son of Aphir, a Benjamite, a man of wealth. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. That's like me, right, babe? (laughs) From his shoulders upwards, he was taller than any of the people. So the scripture already tells us that he was a a handsome man. He He was a tall man. And so God had chosen him. 1 Samuel chapter 10, uh, 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 the prophet is talking to, uh, uh, to him here. He says, then go down. He's talking to Saul. He says, go down before me to Gilgal. And behold, I'm coming down to you to offer a burnt offering and to sacrifice peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait until I come to you and show you what to do. 
Seven days he shall wait until I come and show you what to do. First Samuel, uh, uh, we, we flip over to verse 13. He waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he finished, Samuel came, went out to meet him. As soon as he finished, I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal. Saul asked him, what, 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 have, what have you done? And I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself, I forced myself, I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. Saul says, what have you done? He says, when I, I saw the people were scattering and you didn't come within the days, that appointed and the Philistine had, had mustered, Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of your Lord, which he commanded you, for then the Lord would have established your kingdom. See, pride got in the way right there. Pride uh, shot up. He, he, he was worried about the people leaving. He was worried about what would happen if he waited. Because the instructions were, Wait seven days until I came. It says until I get here. He waited seven days, but he didn't wait until he came. Because there were people and people started to leave and he's worried about what is it going to look like. And I'm, and I'm losing these people and pride took a hold. He was more concerned with the way that he looked than his obedience to God. Sometimes what we are called to do may look different. It may look, it may cost us looking crazy to people so that we can stand in obedience to God. We must refuse to be distracted by the enemy's tactics to move us out of vision. Refuse to allow him to use fear, to allow him to use doubt, to allow him to use pride. And the last thing as I close, number four, the level of faith required to start is different than the level of faith required to finish. The level of faith required to start is different than the level of faith required to finish. We see that all throughout the Bible. Particularly, we, we see that uh, uh, through the disciples. We can look at how they started versus uh, uh, how they ended up. Uh, uh, Matthew chapter 4 verse 18 says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Hold on, Jesus. Um, so what you're saying is I won't have to be mucky in this fish anymore and I won't have to spend days and nights in this water freezing uh, every season and all I need to do is follow you? Yeah, I think I'll do that. I think I'll do that, Jesus. I, I think I'll do that. There was a level of faith because they were giving up this, 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 this task but the level of faith that they needed to finish 
was different. Because we see in Scripture that except for one, all of the disciples were martyred. They all died. Whether hung upside down or boiled to death. And there was even in the scripture where Jesus, uh, the mom comes and, and she says, you know, you know, I want my sons to, to, to be here with you. I want one to, to sit at your left hand and one to, to sit at your, your, your right hand. He says, it's not for me to decide. He said, but you will drink this cup of suffering. You most definitely will drink the cup of suffering. So the disciples went through knowing that suffering was coming. And as they walk out through these different tasks and different things, their faith had to continually be built. How many times did Jesus say, uh, do you not, do you still not have faith? Do you still not believe? Even at the end in the Great Commission, there was a level of faith that they needed. And it wasn't just giving up a job. But as we grow in vision, as we grow in what God has called us to do, there is a level of faith that we have to constantly be growing so that we can see what God has planned for us come to life. This is the thing that makes the difference between those we hear about their faith and we hear about in the scriptures. Everybody has a great start, but there are few who finish well. The rate at which those of notoriety have come forward and said that they no longer believe is alarming. People who you would think never would say, people who you've seen do great things in the faith, people who you've seen who you would never, and, and they come forward and say, you know what? I no longer believe. I no longer believe the way I once believed. Why? Because there's a level of faith that's required to finish, that's different than the level of faith required to start. Make no mistake, walking out the vision that God has given us is not an easy task, but the results are well worth it. The vision that God has for your marriage, the vision that God has for your family, the vision that God has for your future. Making the changes to align it with the vision that God has for you will not be easy. But I promise you that the results are well worth it. We will be required to grow in order to finish. And the one place that has to continually grow is our level of faith. The one place that has to continually grow is our level of faith. I remember uh, when we first had this idea, I can even go back farther, like I said last week, I remember the, the level of faith it took for me to come to California. And let me tell you, leaving everything that I know behind, leaving uh, uh, the security behind, leaving the people that I knew behind, leaving my family behind, there was a level of faith, but I had to grow. Then when we had this idea to, 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 to plant a church in, in the city of Woodland, there was a level of faith required. It was different than the level of faith that it required me to be here. 
And then when we had the idea, but then we begin to actually walk out the idea, it was another level of faith that was required. And then we all started showing up, hallelujah. But as we continue to grow, there's level of faith that we have to grow to. We believe God. Our core team believe God that people will show up. And we believe God that people will continue to come. Last year, we believed God uh, uh, for a, a place to call home. Now we're believing God to move into that place yeah. that we will call home. There are yeah. different levels of faith that is required. But the one thing that is so awesome about God is that we continue to grow in these levels. And each and every time God continues to show up without fail, he's never late. He's always on time each and every time. And I was just, just talking with, with uh, uh, Miss Samantha today, and I said, I'm almost, uh, I'm, I'm a little shaky because I'm like, God, if, if this is the level we at, I, I don't, I don't want to know what's next, Jesus. I'm kind of comfortable where I'm at. And he says, no, we have to continue to grow. Because as anything that doesn't grow, it dies. And I refuse to be a dead church. So we will be a people that continue to grow. Number one, work like it depends on you and pray like it depends on God. Worship team, you guys can come. Number two, be faithful to the vision, even when it looks different than what you planned. Number three, understand that doubt, fear, and pride are Satan's number one tools to move you out of vision. And number four. The level of faith required to start is different than the level of faith required to finish. These are just reminders. I hope you took notes tonight. If you don't watch the podcast, write these down. The reason I believe that the Lord gave me this is because as you begin to walk out that vision, as you begin to maybe continue to walk out the vision that God has for you, just like we said, there will be opportunities for you to forget while you're on the way. There will be opportunities for you to doubt while you're on the way. And you need something to look back at. You need a reminder close to you. You need a reminder by, yeah, you, you, you know what? Uh, uh, I, I, I remember that the Pastor Keenan, uh, you're in this place, you're like, I, I don't know what, what I should do. I, 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 don't, I don't know, well, what am I supposed to do now, Jesus? Well, work like it depends on you and pray like it depends on me. These seeds that, that have been planted in you will produce a harvest. The Bible calls the Word of God incorruptible seed. Well, what, you know, I'm just in this tired place, God. Things keep changing, and, and you know how I am, God. And, and I, I, I have no idea what's going on with my life, God, and with this plan. Yeah, uh, be faithful to the vision even when it looks different than what you plan. Well, God, I'm, I'm unsure of, of, of what it looks like. I'm, I'm, I'm unsure if I even heard you. Well, well, remember that doubt, fear, and pride are Satan's number one tools uh, to move you out of vision. Well, God, how do I know that I can even do this? 
How do I know that, that I, I, I have enough of you or, or, or that I got enough faith to make this happen? Well, remember that the level of faith required to start is different than the level of faith required to finish. Reminders. I believe that God has something awesome in store for each and every one of you. I look at you. Today, uh, I got this opportunity. I told my wife, I said, I think I'm going to do that more often. I got the opportunity to stand at the door and welcome some of you as you came in. And I just get excited. I get excited at what I believe God will do in your lives. I get excited at, at, at the vision that God has for you. I get excited about what he's doing in your marriages, about, about what he's doing in your finances, what he's doing on your job, what, what he's doing in your life as you continue to pursue him. I get excited. And I know that God has something awesome in store. But I also know that the enemy's coming. I know that he's coming because he knows that if a group of people get together and walk out the call of God for their life, that we would be a threat to the devil like never before. We would be a threat like never before. So I challenge you to take this word and hide it in your heart and be ready to walk out all that God has for you. Take these, these couple of weeks of vision and, and mull over them and say, Lord, what is it that you would have me to do? What is it that you have for me? How do you want me to walk this thing out and go forward into what he has for you? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today.